Unwound, the podcast that is created by the team here at Cornerstone Therapies. If you know, you know, but if you don't know, my name is Jenny Walker and as well as being your host today, I'm also an integrative physical rehab therapist at Cornerstone Therapies and we're based in Godalming in Surrey. I just want to thank you all for helping us build the community by liking, sharing, commenting, taking those links and sharing it through your messaging systems. It's all fantastic seeing it grow and the numbers swell each week. So I just want to thank you for taking the time for doing that. We are in the middle of producing some amazing content for you throughout the autumn and winter and we want to encourage you to click the links below to the cornerstonetherapies.co.uk website or therapyunwound.com and sign up to our newsletters because we are offering you some incredibly good content with our webinars and online classes filled with exclusive content for you. We are offering information, tips and tricks on how to get through the winter in a healthy, well-balanced manner. And they will be up in November and December. So do follow us for that and it'll be great to see you there. Last week, we were looking at financial budgets and health budgets and how we can learn how to budget better for not only our finances, thanks to the financial diet with Chelsea, but also how we can balance our health budgets. It was a great podcast and I really encourage you to go over there and listen to it because it sets the foundation to what we'll be looking at over the next three weeks. Today, we're looking at chronic fatigue syndrome. Next week, we're looking at fibromyalgia. And the week afterwards, we're looking at generalized chronic pain. So over the next three weeks, we'll be using the energy pots, those savings accounts that help us get well and stay healthy um, in very practical ways throughout the autumn. Chronic fatigue syndrome or what used to be called myalgic encephalomyelitis, or ME for short, thank goodness for an acronym, hey, Um, has been around for a long time. ME was first kind of like written about back in the Victorian era, so about 1890, when flu went through the London police and what they were finding is that the policemen were recovering from flu but they weren't able to go back on full service. They were tired, their bodies felt heavy and they just weren't really up to par. And this is kind of like one of the first recorded um, instances of chronic fatigue syndrome that we have. We also have um, written accounts of something very similar after the Spanish flu that we've all been talking about, and we are now seeing it with long COVID. We're not quite sure if long COVID is chronic fatigue syndrome, but it certainly mimics that way. And I have to say that because we have no real science data at the moment on how to treat long COVID, because of the historical pathology of chronic fatigue syndrome, here at the studio, I'm treating it with the same protocol. I think that's the safest way to go about it at the moment. But chronic fatigue syndrome um, certainly came to be known in that terminology in 1998 when the Americans very wisely said, well, ME isn't really specific enough in its wording. We'll change it to CFS, chronic fatigue syndrome. 
It used to be called here in the UK the yuppie flu. And until 2002, chronic fatigue syndrome wasn't actually um, recognised here at all. And it wasn't until 2002 when the government said, yep, we're going to wrap our arms around it. The NHS is going to treat it. We're going to find out a bit more about what it is that makes people feel so darn tired. The ramifications of all this knowledge is that we are now getting better at um, treating people with it. And we're also getting to understand how we can come alongside and help over the long term, because right now there isn't any cure for it. At the moment, the NICE guidelines, which are in the UK, the guidelines that set out the protocols for how the NHS look after chronic fatigue syndrome, are under review. And this was a really interesting read last year because the review came back in November 2020. And it was a time when I was actually taking a study module in CFSME um, at the University of West England when I was doing my when I was doing my master's in physical rehab. And I really got into quite some depth over this sub- subject over f- about five months. Now, NICE at the moment are currently trying to change the protocols about how we treat chronic fatigue syndrome within a clinical structure. They have been using something called GETS over the last few years, which stands for Graded Exercise Therapy. GETS for short is much easier. What Graded Exercise Therapy is, is a stepping stone of different exercises that people with chronic fatigue need to get through in order to get to the end of GETS and suddenly they're okay and signed off. And what they're saying really with the new guidelines is that there's a discussion around how any therapy based on physical activity or exercise as a treatment for MECFS is taken away from official protocol. Now, I have a bit of an issue about this, and this comes down to physical POTS. I totally understand that chronic fatigue syndrome is horrific. I treat it almost every day um, at the studio here at Cornerstone. And I have people who have had it for lifetimes. I've had it, people who have had it for the last year. But either way, it is a completely debilitating pathology. It seems to stem from either a viral disease, which is why long COVID and CFS are being talked about in tandem, or flu, um, glandular fever, any kind of really bad cold, it seems to be a trigger for some people to go into CFS. But we also have emotional trauma that's linked with CFS as well. And that always goes into tandem here when we talk about that psychosomatic, psychosomatic dynamic with therapy. CFS will leave people feeling very unrefreshed when they're sleeping. They've got constant exhaustion. Clients come to me and say that their bodies feel leaden as if they've got flu. So you know when your body feels really heavy and you just the duvet is almost too heavy. Um, They have musculoskeletal pain and they have um, cognitive and physical exhaustion. So just a simple conversation over a cup of coffee can feel them absolutely feeling pancakes for the day. Um, And physical exhaustion, so going up and down stairs, can also be an issue. Linked with this, which is understandable given the debilitating um, socioeconomic issues that surround this 
pathology, uh, depression and anxiety come into, into play quite a lot. So people can feel quite low in their mood, low physically, and it's just, it's not a very good mix, to be honest. So the thing that I like to do is actually to get people to move, even if it's a little bit. And this means that we're filling our pots, our physical pots, with some rigour of strength. I think there needs to be a very honest conversation about what we talk about when it, we talk about physical activity or exercise within chronic fatigue syndrome. And I totally understand why the GETS model doesn't quite work. GETS is a classic kind of like um, exercise program, if you like. At Cornerstone, when I talk about exercise, I talk about getting the senses moving with chronic fatigue. So, for example, if somebody comes to me at the beginning of the year and says, Jen, I know that we've got a big family event coming up around about October, and I'm already starting to feel worried about that. At the moment, I can barely get to your studio, um, and that tires me out, and the treatments here really help with pain, and I get to sleep better but I'm worried about the physicality of that particular day. Well, there are two ways we could look at that. We could say, well, you've got chronic fatigue syndrome, there's nothing much we can do. Or we could try something quite radical and we could try getting some rigour behind your sensory inputs and outputs. For this, what I find is that um, I often get people to be very honest with how much they can and cannot move. If they have chronic fatigue that is um, bad enough, I would say, to make them bed bound and maybe they can move to the bathroom and then back again, what I'd be encouraging them to do is see if they can just walk down the stairs once a day and back up the stairs and get that going a little bit. So they may do it one day, have a day off, have it another day. So much like a gym session, you would work out one day, rest day, work out the next day, so on. And then what we would do is say, well, once you're downstairs, whatever the weather, just get your coat on and sit outside and have a coffee before you go back upstairs. What this does is that you're not only filling your physical pots up by making sure that you've got some physical capability by walking up and down the stairs, but also by sitting outside, you're allowing your skin to feel a new stimulus. When you're out, when you're inside a lot, your skin can get very sensitive to wind and sun and rain. And if you were to have a coffee outside every other day, build that up to every day, actually your senses are becoming more stimulated and you're able to have a bit more rigour within your sensory pots. So not only are you feeling things on your skin, you're hearing more sounds. It's not a muffled sound as you would have in a living room or a bedroom. You're hearing the birds, you're hearing traffic, you're hearing a plane overhead, and your ears are getting more used to stimulus and your brain is processing a little bit more. You're smelling different smells, cut grass in the summer, wood smoke in the autumn, and you're also kind of like getting around some new tastes because when we smell new smells, we're also tasting. So you're tasting coffee outside, which will taste very different from tasting coffee inside. All of this, I would argue, is physical activity. And the more you do it, the more rigour you have and the more you are able to process, which means that after 10 months of doing these really baby steps that are so vital and so important, that family gathering in the October for Halloween or whatever you're celebrating is less of an issue. 
Your body already knows what it's capable of. And even if it's an hour with people that you wouldn't normally have before, that's a huge success. To be able to spend an hour with people and growing your environment with your community and the people that you love, that's really important, not just for you, but for them as well. They want to see you. They've invited you. They want your participation. So you not only grow your physical pots, but you you grow your emotional, your community Uh, pots as well and you can dig deep in them so for nice to suddenly say actually no physical activity is going to be um, recommended in our in our official protocol I found I found that when I first read that back in 2020 and I still do as I checked it last night just to make sure my references were were spot on I still found that quite a hard-hitting approach for physical rehab I don't think it's appropriate, although I do think that the GETS theory should be dropped. I don't feel that that structured um, protocol for gym work is really appropriate either. I think there is um, a good marriage between the two. I think it's also important to note that um, chronic fatigue syndrome can be seen in conjunction with other diseases. So when people come in and they've been suffering from CFS for a while, We can also see that it's become part of or is a symptom almost of another pathway that they've been on. So, for example, cancer. If if you've been suffering from cancer, you've been going through the oncology departments and all the rest of it, you can feel that chronic fatigue steps in. And we can treat CFS as well as your cancer. We can do it in tandem. Um, And also when you hit remission and you're out of that kind of like oncology pathway, but you're still suffering with CFS, we we can treat that appropriately as well. When we talk about filling our pots and expending our pots, so for example, if you've been bedbound for a while and you're suddenly sitting outside for, for a coffee a month later after seeing me, we can often see that there is a negative side to that for people with CFS. And it's important to work with these up days and down days. There are days when you will just need to be in bed and that's absolutely fine. There is no pressure on that at all. But on the days that you overdo it, what some people report is that the overexpenditure on that particular pot, whether it's emotional, cognitive, physical, whatever it is, they have a brain fog or a payback for up to a week afterwards. So it's really important to make sure that you are finding your own limits within how much you're moving, how much you're communicating. And I think this comes into the latter parts of my advice for people with CFS. And that advice is start to communicate very clearly with the loved ones and the helpers around you. There is a point where if you're getting stressed about people talking to you a lot about lots of different things. Say you have five kids all doing different things. You have a husband or a partner that just needs your attention. Um, And if you've got a wife that's just really busy, but actually you're trying to kind of like cope with CFS. There is a point where I would say you need a family meeting to sit down and say, I find it really exhausting when all of you are talking to me at once. If we need to talk about something serious, can we please make sure that we make time for that? So I'm with you. I'm not feeling drained from that. And I can give you my best within that conversation and let other stuff go around that that I don't need to be involved with. I think that at that point, the pots become very useful. You can say, yes, I can 
drive you to your ballet exam. That's absolutely fine. But I can't get out and be part of that ballet exam, but I can show for you to and from. And you start working out where your boundaries are and getting some really good teamwork around you with your family. For those that live on your own, it's really important to sit down with your um, helpers, your carers, as well as your work colleagues. I think also we forget that people with CFS do work also. And really setting some very clear goals and abilities of how you can help your team and how your team can help you. CFS has been swept under the carpet a lot. And I really hate the fact that it's got such a stigma around it still. There are ways of really embracing life through it and with it. Um, It doesn't have to be a completely disabilitating um, concern for the rest of your life. You can work within it. It is chronic. There is no cure at the moment, but there is certainly different ways where you can help. The way we see um, massage therapy and physical rehab in the studio come into play is that it can really help the anxiety, depression and sleep. And if you listen back to our anxiety podcasts, there is a lot of um, scientific information about how massage and touch therapy specifically comes into play to help people reduce their um, fight and flight and helps them to regulate more, which is why we are able to offer such a great relief to people with CFS. But yeah, I think if you were to take anything away from this podcast today is my encouragement to see exercise in the way that it should be seen, which is movement. And I really hope it's given you some fresh insights into a pathology that's not talked about much. um, And I think we can really learn from it, even when we're recovering from our own stresses, strains, head colds, all the rest of it, when we've got that kind of like recovery time after, say, flu, and we're still feeling a bit drained, we can still go back to the basics and we can still look at chronic fatigue syndrome and see what we found there and how we can implement it into our own health journeys. I think that's a real key thing with rehab that I've learned over the years is that although we have protocols for specific um, pathologies and diseases and situations and traumas, Actually, a lot of that can be taken and put into play for other people as well. So it's really important to know what people are doing for different things and taking bits and bobs and implementing it into your own journey. I think we can learn a lot from each other. And I think that's kind of the point. But yeah, I hope that helps. And I look forward to seeing you next week when we will be talking about fibromyalgia, which is a pathology that's often talked alongside chronic fatigue syndrome, but is in completely different. So look forward to seeing you next Friday at seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and um, I hope you have a great week. But thanks for being here. And we'll see you soon. Take care. Bye.